Okay, get ready because today we are going to have a conversation about conversations. So Julie Crenshaw is a conversation coach and author of the book, Navigating and Avoiding Awkward Conversations. And dear Lord, I wish I had her in my back pocket when I started my business, but also when I was venturing into online dating before I met my husband. So throughout these last 15 years, she's cultivated this strong set of interpersonal skills as a result of working uh, a lot of different customer service jobs and also as a physical therapist in the home health setting. She teaches on so many different topics, but today we really get into talking about boundaries and why they're important, which as we know, is one of my favorite things to talk about, but also how to hold those boundaries when having difficult conversations and how having those conversations with boundaries in place lends to being a stellar, above-the-fold leader. Her mission is to empower others to feel confident in their abilities to express themselves and their needs and desires more clearly and to be able to handle difficult situations with ease, which as leaders, we all know is bound to happen at some point or another. So I won't belabor the point anymore. Let's have this conversation about conversations. You're listening to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski. It is my purpose in life to use the lessons I've learned from more than a decade of leadership experience in everything from business to politics to nonprofit and the military to help you become the leader you've always dreamed of having. Whether you lead a network marketing team, a Bible study, a global brand, or a family of four, every week I'm going to walk you through tangible ways to grow your influence and make your vision a reality. So if you're ready to drop the burnout and bullshit strategy you've been fed and design your own aligned leadership style, you're in the right place. Let's go. Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have you on the show to have a conversation about conversations. But before we get into that, why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit more about you and how you got involved in this work? Yes. So my name is Julie. I am a conversation coach and I'm the author of the book, Navigating and Avoiding Awkward Conversations. Uh, By trade, I'm actually a physical therapist who works in home health. Uh, But last year in early 2021, I became involved in a group of ladies who were all about the upgrade. And that means everything from vacation spots to uh, books they were reading to skincare routine and everything in between. And what was happening, though, was these women were putting themselves in a lot of novel situations that they were finding to be very overwhelming or intimidating or maybe even finding themselves in a conflict and not sure how to handle it. And they were coming back to the group and just presenting it and saying, this is what happened. I have no idea what I should have done. Help, you know, and um, on my long journey to become a physical therapist, Of course, that takes a lot of time. And I worked for a really long time in department stores, uh, specifically as a bra fitter. And then I also worked in collections for a car company. And so I had just had a lot of experience dealing with difficult situations, uncomfortable situations, helping to uh, help 
facilitate someone who's not, uh, who's maybe angry or, you know, overwhelming you to calm themselves down and be able to interact with them in a healthy way. Uh, and that was just because it had been my own journey. But what I found through this group was that there were a lot of people out there that could benefit from my experience. And at first it started with me just answering people's questions, but then I started making these posts that I was calling awkward conversations posts. And I would just present a scenario and say, if this happens, say this, not that, or do this, not that it'll come across really well. You know, you'll be very well received. If you do it that way, nobody's going to think anything about it. And I was just getting so much positive feedback from people saying, these posts are helping me so much. I feel so much more confident. I was able to do this or this or this because of your suggestions. And I had a few people who said, you should write a book. You're a great writer. You should write a book. And I said, well, that's thank you. But I don't know what I would write a book about. And then um, with my work in healthcare, that's really what put it over the edge for me because I work with the oldest and the sickest population and I'm in their home. So I'm also surrounded by their family a lot. And what I've, what I see over and over and over again is people who really love each other, who are really hurting each other. And it's not intentional, but it's being driven from fear. You know, they're, they're afraid that their loved one is not going to be with them much longer, or maybe it's the patient who's really scared that they're about to lose their independence and never get it back. And there's just a lot of really charged emotions. And I found myself over and over and over having to help facilitate these conversations between family about things like end of life issues and hospice and independence and sickness and wellness and all of these things. And I didn't feel that that was super appropriate to the group that I had been in because that wasn't really what they were doing. And it was that draw in me that I felt like that was equally, if not even more important to be able to help people lean into those conversations and figure out how to have them in a way that's connected and loving. That's what drove me to write the book. And so that's what really started me on this journey was wanting to get that message and those practical skills out into the world so that as many people as possible could learn that because it, it just makes you feel so amazing to be able to interact with someone who's hurting in a way that is compassionate and not getting yourself wrapped up in it. And I think that we see this a lot in the online space, right? Where, you know, as business owners who, you know, millennials, we use Instagram, right? And we go and we have these conversations in the, in the DMs, mm -hmm. but then when it gets to a point where we have to be empathetic or someone shares maybe a little bit too much, a lot of people don't know how to handle that. And a lot of new coaches or um, women who are just starting out their businesses, they they kind of freeze up. So how can these skills that you've learned kind of help with that population? It's so important. So the, the pillars that I teach on are it's three points. It's mindset shift. It's learning how to define, implement and reinforce boundaries. And then it's the practical skills of what do you say? What is going to be the best well-received by the other person? So 
a lot of times when someone is being aggressive and I know with small business owners, you can get those two things that happen. Maybe you have a relationship with a new client and everything's going fine. And then it just goes off the rails. Maybe they're frustrated about something or they're wanting a refund, despite the fact that that's against your policy, or there's some sort of conflict there. And that is one really big, um, you know, difficulty that when you're new in this can be very overwhelming and can really scare you away from thinking, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. So being able to have the right mindset going into that situation of, you know, this is my business. I wrote this policy for a reason. I can appreciate that you're not happy, but it doesn't change the fact that this is still the policy. It's not uh, fair or reasonable for me to modulate that for every single person that comes across. I wrote it this way for a reason. So really being able to have the, the mindset going in of why you're doing what you're doing, why the fact that what you have decided is the right thing to do, and then having those boundaries to be able to say, I'm, I appreciate where you're coming from, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to let you run me over. So then the last piece is how do you actually communicate to that other person. And I am, I am a big believer that boundaries do not have to be loud or angry or aggressive. On rare occasions, you may have to escalate your energy to match someone else's, but most of the time communicating to someone in the tone of voice that I'm speaking in right now, it's just more of a matter of fact, that boundary is not what I'm trying to control about you. It's what I'm what I've decided for myself, what I am or I'm not going to allow for myself and just feeling really comfortable and confident in that. So if you don't, if you're not going to respect the boundary, you know, that's on you and we just need to part ways, but it doesn't have to be, I just see this on Instagram, especially a lot people that are like punching the screen with their, I won't talk about this and I won't do this and you're not going to make me you know, and I get it, but I don't really think that that's the most effective way actually to, to implement a boundary. And then some of it with the difficult, you know, maybe the person is oversharing. So that can come down in one of two ways. If what they're share oversharing is making you uncomfortable, that still comes back down to a boundary issue. I really, you know, I appreciate that you're having these really strong emotions, or I appreciate that you want to share that with me but I don't feel like I'm the appropriate person for you to tell that to. So I think that in our professional relationship, I don't think that that topic is appropriate. Um, and then maybe point them back to another resource. Maybe, you know, maybe they want to look into some online counseling, better helps a great, you know, online resource for counseling if they need it, or if they're, you know, if it's something really difficult that they're going through, being able to understand what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for when it comes to other people's feelings and how to communicate to them. This is not a comfortable topic for me, or this is not appropriate to the type of service that I'm trying to provide for you or, you know, or if it is something that you do want to be able to give them your condolences and say, I'm so sorry that you're going through such a hard time. That's really difficult for anybody to go through and maybe to be able to have that conversation if they want. So, you know, I, I teach on it both ways. It's going to depend on who you are and what you're comfortable with and what your business is. Uh, it can go either way. I love that such a huge part of what you're doing revolves around boundaries. One of the most important things that I have implemented, not just in my business, but in my personal life, 
And what I always tell the people that I work with and when I teach about boundaries in general, I would say, you know, it's it's not punishing someone else. It's not about someone else. It's about holding space for you and about making sure you are are safe and comfortable. And there are going to be people who don't like that and who push back on that. So from your experience, when someone pushes back on a boundary, like say, you know, I've, I've never had boundaries before with drawing off personal experience before I implemented them at work. You know, I would answer the phone at 8.30 at night when I was nursing my son to sleep. Oh my goodness. And then I, <laughs> right, <laughs> I, I put these boundaries in place where I said, if, if you are not in my home between the hours of 5 and 8 p.m., you do not get my attention. Mm-hmm. That was really hard at the beginning for my boss to comprehend and she pushed back a lot. So in those types of scenarios, whether it's a a personal or a professional relationship, when someone is not used to that boundary and they're pushing back and they're saying, well, you used to, well, why can't you just this one time? What would your, uh, what would your advice there be? So I actually have a fantastic free guide that I created for this exact reason, because I was seeing a lot of people and hearing a lot of people who were struggling with this. And the guide is called five steps to stellar boundaries. And it goes through the process because, you know, you cannot implement a boundary that is not clearly defined. So you, you have to first take the time to decide what is my boundary specifically and why is it my boundary? Because if you're just randomly throwing out boundaries, okay, well, I'm not taking calls after eight, but there wasn't really a reason that you chose eight and then somebody calls you at 820. You don't have anything to fall back on in your mind of, well, why exactly am I not? It's only 15, 20 minutes. But if you've decided eight o'clock is my kid's bedtime and after bedtime, that's when I spend time with maybe my partner or or if you're single, that's the time that I'm reconnecting with myself and decompressing from the day. It's really important for my mental health or it's really important for my relationships or you've maybe made a contract. I know. <laughs> My husband and I are both very busy and making sure that we prioritize time with each other so that we're not losing track of each other in the midst of it's great things happening in our lives right now, but we still have to keep each other at the very top of our priority list. So when your boundary has a firm and clear reason behind it, it makes it so much more um, easy to implement and stand behind. No, I said eight for a reason. And so it will have to wait until the, until the morning. And when you get that pushback, again, a lot of times when people are really aggressive with a boundary, it's because they don't feel super solid about it themselves. So maybe if your boss is saying, well, why can't you do it this one time? And you're sitting there feeling really squirmy about it. And you're like, I said eight, I said this, you know, and you're, you're getting really escalated. It's because really somewhere deep down, you're afraid you're going to break and you're afraid that you're going to give in. And so it's our natural instinct to really escalate in those situations because you're trying to get that person to back off before you change your mind. But when your boundary is really, really clear and solid, you actually feel so peaceful about it and so calm and put together that when that person calls after eight and tries to push back, you know, your response is more of, I can appreciate that that you want to get a hold of me at that time of night. I acknowledge that I used to be wide open, 
but this is a boundary that I've set for myself for very important reasons. My husband and I have discussed it. This is important for our relationship or, you know, this is something that I have decided for my own mental health. And it's really important to me. And when your boundaries are really important, you are willing to walk away from anybody and anything that is not in alignment with them. So you get to the point where you're just like, I don't have to have this job. Like I, I can pick another job. So instead of it being about whether or not you're going to give in, it's more about <laughs> whether or not they're going to respect it or you need to leave it. That's when you know the boundary is really solid. So if anybody has any difficulty with that or wants to go through it, because I even have some scripting that I've written out, a lot of examples, um, that's a really, really great resource. And how do you feel about purposefully breaking your boundaries? purposefully doing something that you said you weren't going to do for a specific reason. Like for you, once you have a boundary, is that a, is it permanent? Well, to me, the only purpose of a boundary is to protect my energy and my mental health. Uh, every boundary that I have is surrounded around protecting my energy or protecting my mental well-being. So if I'm choosing to go outside of that boundary, it's a choice. It's not something that anyone pressured me into, and that's the difference. So maybe uh, I had decided that, you know, I'm not going to take any calls after eight for any reason. And then I'm just having a really, really hard day. And I feel like the best thing for my mental health would be to reach out to my best girlfriend and have a chat with her at nine o'clock at night, you know, but that was something that I decided because for me, it felt right and it felt good and it felt in alignment with my needs. So to me, the boundary is there for you. It's not for other people. It, it's 100% for you. I love that. I love that because I think a lot of times we will put these boundaries into place and then, you know, we're comfortable with them. We're, we're good. And then an opportunity comes along. And we're like, well, I said I wasn't going to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's actually detrimental to maybe our end goals, our mental health, our relationships. So I, I love that you say, yeah, it's, it's for you. It's, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. But I'm glad you said that though, because one of the other things that I talk about in that guide is consistency. So if you're not being consistent with your boundary, it's not really a boundary. If you're telling people, I don't take calls after eight, just sticking to that example, but three nights a week, you are taking calls after eight, that's not a boundary. So, you know, a boundary is something that has to be consistently reinforced, or it's just something that you're kind of throwing out when you feel like it or when it suits you and other people won't respond well to that. So for instance, you know, if it was your boss who was pressuring you and two nights a week, you do take the call after eight and the other five nights you're screaming at her going, I don't take calls after eight, you know, and she's like, well, you did it two days ago, you know, so you have to be consistent about those boundaries if you want other people to respect them. So those and they are can change and grow and develop over time as well, yes. right? As you change and grow and develop over time, yeah. um, you know, bedtime isn't always going to be at eight o'clock. Nope. <laughs> now bedtime is not always at eight o'clock. He's three. So bedtime is whenever he decides. <laughs> but I, I, I love talking about boundaries. It's so important for, for people coming up in the business world or even in their homes and, and new leaders. Um, so aside from, from that important boundary piece, 
what else about these conversations and being able to have these difficult conversations lends itself to being able to lead well, whether that's in your home or in your business or within your community, wherever that is. But how are these conversations going to help you be a better leader? Oh my goodness. It is, in my opinion, it's so paramount because when other people, when you are a leader, people are looking to you. They're looking to you for guidance. They're looking to you for support. They're looking to you for, you know, how should I handle this? They're taking their cues from you. So if they're coming to you with something hard, you know, maybe, um, Maybe it's an employee of yours and they're coming to you saying, oh my gosh, my mom just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and we're having to move her into a care facility and, you know, and they're just spiraling because there's all this stuff happening. They're overwhelmed. They're upset. This is really bad news. If your reaction is to be extremely uncomfortable with that conversation, you don't know how to handle it. You don't know what to say. You're kind of, oh, uh, sorry. Um, do you just need some time off, I guess, you know, and that's kind of your reaction. That person doesn't feel supported. They don't feel uplifted. They don't, you're not providing any space for them to trust you and to lean into you as their leader. But if your reaction can hold space for that really difficult news and say, I'm so sorry, you know, maybe you were in the middle of something, you just shut your computer and say, talk to me what's going on? Tell me how you're feeling. You know, what have you guys figured out so far? What are your next moves? What do you need from me? And you're able to just lean into that and have that conversation. That person can feel just washed with support. And that is what, that is what they will remember that for forever. They will take that with them. Even if they don't work with you, even if you two part ways, being able to show up for someone when they are really in a low moment and to be able to give them the support they need is something that will stay with them and something that will hopefully help to model for them how to then in turn show up for other people when they're the ones, you know, when the situation is flipped. So it's, it's so important for you, uh, whether that's, you know, in your personal relationships, you want to be a, a leader with your kids. You know, my children are, eight and nine now, and we're getting into some tricky, we have a tricky situation going on right now where there's a, there's a little boy who's causing some trouble. And my two boys are exactly 12 months apart. So they do everything together. They go everywhere together. If it's a play date, it's with both of them. And this little boy is being mean to the little one, right? So we're having to have this conversation about what is the right thing to do here? How do we handle this? When the situation comes up again, what is my little one going to do? How is my older one going to respond? What is the outcome that we expect here? You know, it's easy to, as a mom, you just want to tell that other kid to get lost and be like, you can't play with them anymore. You're mean. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but my parents did that with, with kids when I was growing up, if they, if they, if it was the least little indication that there was something wrong at all, maybe not with the way we were interacting with each other, but maybe just something, I don't know, at their home that my parents didn't like, I was cut off from that kid and it created a lot of resentment in me. And it also created this feeling where I felt like I needed to sneak around my parents because I didn't feel like we were working together. So with my kids and I'm having this situation come up, 
in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to lead them to use that word. I want to be the leader. I want us to work together. I want, I want this to be something where we're learning how to problem solve. We're learning how to treat other people. We're learning how to respond in these difficult situations appropriately. Instead of me just saying, well, I'm going to use my unilateral authority to cut this off. Well, I can't do that for them when they're 16 or when they're 20 or when they're 25. So I, I want to be able to show them how to handle the situation. So I think it's so great that you're starting young too. And I found like when we were starting this conversation, the way you, you said, you know, I just, I handle conversations and I handle difficult conversations in this voice and I hold the bound. That's exactly what I do with my three-year-old, right? I want to watch another episode of Daniel Tiger, right? <laughs> Meltdown. Yeah. See, I understand that you want to, that you want to watch another episode of Daniel Tiger right now. It's time to go take a bath. Maybe tomorrow we can watch Daniel Tiger, right? Like, yeah. Yep. And does he melt down sometimes? Yes. But does he also recognize like, oh, mommy's not upset. I don't need to be upset. We we can regulate by regulating our feelings. We can help regulate the feelings of those around us. Even if we think that they are too worked up or too young to understand like the, the calmness that you display in a difficult conversation will most of the time leach into the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I talk a lot about fight or flight because when people are in those really difficult, maybe changing it a little bit to someone who is overwhelmed and they're really angry, mm-hmm. they are in a fight or flight response. They might be the one initiating what's happening, but it's because they already have so much anxiety in themselves. They are already in the middle of this cascade of hormones that's coursing through them. Their heart is racing. Their mind is racing. They are shaking. Their mind is not as able to have a rational conversation. And when they come at you in that way, it initiates a fight or flight response in you. It's human nature that when you feel like you're being attacked, your body automatically triggers that reaction. You can't stop it from happening, but you can modulate it. You can recognize, okay, I am definitely having a fight or flight response right now because this person is being super aggressive with me. Let me start there. Let me start on the inside and start to take some deep breaths, try to calm my heart rate down, try to be really still so that I'm not agitating this response. And then when you are able to respond to them in a soothing voice, a quiet voice, in a manner that's conveying to them You might be really upset and out of control, but I am not going to respond to you in that way. I am not going to start yelling. I am not going to attack you. I'm not going to start name calling. You are helping to facilitate space for them to start to calm down. Because if you meet their aggression with your own hyped up response, the two of you are actually just ratcheting each other up and you're both just getting more and more and more upset. So if you can be the person to initiate, I'm going to be really calm. I'm going to speak to you in this really soothing tone. Um, There's a lot going on in our brains that mirror the people around us. So when someone else is being loud to us, it's a natural response to be loud back. But you can use that in your favor. So if somebody is being really loud to you, I'll actually get even more quiet 
you know, because I'm trying to force them to lean in and calm down and quiet themselves just to be able to hear me and interact with me. And with my kids, I do that constantly. The more upset they are, I mean, I might get down, like, okay, listen, I know you're really upset right now. And I'm practically whispering to them because I'm trying to help them to regulate and, and calm down. And it works with, with grownups just as well. Kids and grownups, actually not that different. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so Julie, if you were going to leave the listeners with one piece of advice, like the, the most aha, here's the thing that's going to help you have the conversations, what would that be? Gosh, one, I think one overarching theme that comes up over and over and over in so much of my material is that what's being presented to you by that other person is not really about you 99% of the time. So if that person is really upset or confused or anxious or aggressive, so much of the time, there is something going on with them under the surface that you might not be aware of that they're coming to you and it's the last straw and they're, they're expressing all of these emotions to you. And I think I say in my book, you know, they're yelling at me, but they're not yelling at me. They're yelling at life. And I'm just the one who's having to hear it right now. So whether that's a difficult or overwhelmed or aggressive or confused, any of those things if you can keep in mind, this is something that's going on with them. And if I can have compassion for the fact that they are going through something, I don't know what it is. I might have a small clue about what it might be, but if I can just emotionally detach myself from what's happening and to step back and realize what's going on with them has to do with them. Their reaction towards me is not really because of me. And then I can come into that conversation calm and collected and compassionate, still with boundaries when necessary, but uh, it allows me to not get wrapped up in whatever the emotion was that they presented to me. So I think that's, that's an overarching theme in a lot of my content. It's don't take other people's reactions or emotions or words personally, because most of the time it really just doesn't have anything to do with you, even if it sounds like it does. I love that so much. So I'm going to link in the show notes, your book and how to get your five steps to stellar boundaries. But if somebody wants to come have a conversation with you, where can they find you? If you go to my website, which is yourconversationexpert.com, there's a little um, button there where you can chat or you can send me an email that way. Uh, I'm very active on Instagram and my handle is at yourconversationexpert and it's really easy to DM me on there and ask me any questions you have or any resources you might need. So I'm very, very happy to speak to anybody about whatever it is that's uh, giving them trouble or to clarify anything we've talked about today. So I'd love to hear from anybody. All right, Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah May Ski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, 
please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. Until next time, let's go.